Mic check. Good morning, church family. I pray that you are all well and that you all had a wonderful Resurrection Sunday. And as wonderful as it was to preach from the Resurrection chapter last week, today we will be transitioning from 1 Corinthians chapter 15 back into Ephesians. As this morning we will be in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Now, if you can remember all the way back to two weeks ago, we started the second section of Ephesians, chapters 4 through 6, which focuses on how we as Christians, as individuals who have their identity in Jesus Christ, how we are to walk or how we are to live out our faith in the here and in the now, In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, it exhorts Christians to maintain unity in the body of Jesus Christ. Thus, we as Christians were called to be patient with each other. We were called to be gentle toward each other. We were called to be humble and spirit and to bear each other in love. Because as it says in verses 4 through 6, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. And we as Christians, we all share this. We all have this in common. We share the one faith in the one Lord Jesus Christ as the only means of salvation. But just because we have been called to be united, church, does not mean that we were all called to be identical, to all look the same, or to all act the same, or to all talk the same. We are one body church, but the church would not function, or a body would not function if it were only made up of heads, or of eyes, or of feet. Now, a body made up only of feet would certainly look funny, but it would not function very well. Thus, as the body of Christ, we are united But we are also diverse in our roles, in our callings, and in our functions, which is what Paul gets at today 
and which takes us to our thesis this morning. Our thesis statement this morning, which highlights the two main themes we will be looking at in the sermon, is this. It is that Christ, the ultimate gift giver, has gifted his people with the grace needed to carry out their roles in building up the church and bringing glory to God's most holy name. That Jesus Christ, the ultimate gift giver, has gifted his people with the grace needed so that they can carry out their roles in building up the church and bringing glory to God's most holy name. Our text this morning is Ephesians chapter 4, and we will be in verses 7 through 10. So I would encourage you, even from home, to open up your Bibles this morning and join us as we go through Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. The Apostle Paul writes, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the gift of technology. We thank you that we can share your word, that we can preach your word, and it can be seen even if we cannot gather as a church body. It is a blessing that you have given us and showcases your sovereign power even in the midst of a pandemic. And Father, I pray that you be glorified through the preaching of your word this morning. Lord, I pray you help my lisping, stammering, sinful tongue. Lord, I pray that I preach truth to the dear individuals listening, that I be humble, that I be bold in my conviction. And Lord, that you convict us this morning. Lord, your text this morning shares that you have given each member of your body the grace needed to carry out the gift that you have given them. Lord, let us keep our hand on the handle of these gifts. Let us use these gifts to build up the church, to build up and encourage each other, and to glorify you. Lord, we all play a role within the body, within the church. Help us to see that you have given us the grace to carry out that role perfectly in this time and in this place for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Our first of two points this morning is this. Point number one. Christ has given each of his children the grace needed for them to carry out their roles in building up the church and bringing glory to God's name. Christ has given each of his children the grace needed for them to carry out their roles in building up the church and bringing glory to God's name. And we'll be looking at verse 7. Verse 7, which which says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So we start with the word but here in verse 7, which transitions the text from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 6, or the idea that we are united in Christ. 
So even though there's one body, one Lord, one faith, Paul transitions his thoughts here to showcase that even amongst our unity, or even in the midst of our unity, God has blessed his children with a diversity of giftings. Thus it says in verse 7 that grace was given to each one of us. Now Paul uses the word grace here not to describe saving grace like he did in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 which says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. But Paul uses the word grace here to describe the provisions or the power that Jesus Christ has given his children to carry out their call or to carry out their ministry within the church and to advance the kingdom of God. And Paul did something similar earlier in the book of Ephesians. In chapter 3, he wrote, To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages. You see, Paul was given the grace, he was given the power, he was given the wisdom and the strength needed by God to carry out his call, which was to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ to the Gentiles. And this grace, these provisions, they certainly were not man-made, but they were God God-given graces, God-given strength, God-given abilities above and beyond our saving grace. Thus, as the children of God, we receive saving grace from God, but he has also given us empowering grace, if you will, or ministry grace for our callings or for our roles within the church body. Now, you may be sitting there from home thinking, hmm, You sure, Wes? Because I don't feel real empowered for any ministry within the church. And if that is the case, then consider this story told by Michael Green. He said that A.J. Gordon, who was one of the founders of Gordon-Conwell Divinity School, who on one morning was walking and looking across a field at a house, There beside the house was what looked like a man pumping furiously on one of those hand pumps. As Gordon watched, the man continued to pump at a tremendous rate. He seemed absolutely tireless, pumping on and on, up and down, without ever slowing in the slightest, much less stopping. Truly, it was a remarkable sight. So Gordon started to walk toward it. As he got closer... He could see it was not a man at the pump, but a wooden figure painted to look like a man. The arm that was pumping so rapidly was hinged at the elbow, and the hand was wired to the pump handle. The water was pouring forth, but not because the figure was pumping it. You see, it was an artesian well, or a pressure-based well, and the water was pumping the man. When you see a man who is at work for God, producing results, recognize that it is God working through him, not the man's efforts that are giving the results. All he had to do, all you have to do, church, is keep your hand on the handle. 
The question, church, isn't whether or not you have been given grace or you have been empowered by God for ministry service. The question is, are you keeping your hands on the handle or have you decided to let go and not use your God-given grace for ministry service? But why? Why would anyone decide not to use this grace? Well, maybe because you are feeling unworthy or unfit for ministry service. Well, God couldn't use a sinner like me to serve his church. Or maybe you're feeling jealous or envious of someone else's ministry gifts. Well, it's easy for them to serve. Everyone has to listen to them every week. And so since I don't get to be seen or heard by everyone, I'm not serving. Or maybe you're feeling insecure or afraid. Well, what if I mess up and people laugh at me and think I'm a failure? I don't want that kind of pressure serving within the church. Thus, if any of these feelings are keeping you from stepping into your ministry calling here at Faith Bible Fellowship Church, first let me say, I understand. So, let me encourage you with the rest of verse 7, which says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. According to the measure of Christ's gift. You see, you may not be feeling empowered or gifted in the ministries of preaching or in teaching or in the music ministry, but brother Christian, sister Christian, that that does not mean that you haven't been called into the ministry of the church because in fact you were given the grace, you were given the empowerment necessary for your calling. In fact, verse 7, it says that it was measured out perfectly for the gift or for the role that Christ has called you in. Or as Frank Thielman puts it, Christ gives grace to each believer and he does so in proportions appropriate to each gift. Listen to that again. Christ gives grace to each believer and he does so in proportions appropriate to each gift. Brother Christian, sister Christian, you have been called to serve and Christ has given you the grace to do so. But you might be thinking, well, wait a minute. That does not seem fair that Christ does not give everyone the same amount of ministry grace or the same amount of empowerment for their gifts or for their roles or for their callings or for their ministry. And that's a fair question to ponder. So I'd like to respond with two points on that front. Point number one is this, that yes, Christ does give more empowering or more ministry grace to some than to others. But he still gave you insurmountable amounts of grace, more than you could ever imagine or deserve, as he lavished grace upon grace on all of his children. Thus, the only proper response to God for his grace toward his free gifts that he has given you is one of thankfulness and not one of questioning. But more applicably here, Point number two, why does Christ give and measure out more empowering or more ministry grace to some than to others? 
It's really quite simple. It is because we all have different roles within the church. We have different offices, different callings, different situations in which we have been tasked to minister in. And here is the beautiful thing, church, as Albert Barnes pointed out. Even though the same grace isn't given to all, Enough grace is given or measured out to each to enable them to live and to serve as they ought. Christ has given each one of us unique amount of grace to serve properly the unique positions that we have been called to serve in. You see, we are united in Christ's church, but we are also diverse in how we are to serve the church. Do you see it? Do you see the beauty of this text? Everyone has a role. Everyone has a key, vital, integral role within the church, and we've been empowered to use those gifts, those God-given gifts, properly to serve Christ and to build each other up in the church. And church, I can tell you firsthand how I have missed the giftings of some of our beloved members during this season. Oh, in teaching our children on Sunday, do I realize that I don't have the giftings of Lorna or of Jean or of Kathy or of Megan? Or in hearing myself sing and lead music at home, do I realize I don't have the musical giftings of Nancy or of Alex? Or in trying to record the video and the audio for these sermons, do I realize I don't have the giftings of Mike or of Rebecca? But you know what? That is okay. God has gifted us differently and diversely for the roles and the callings he wants us to serve in. Thus, there's no need to be jealous or envious of anyone else's giftings. There's no need to be insecure. Jesus Christ, he has got you. He has given you the exact amount of grace needed to serve him, his church, and his people with the exact gift and the exact role he has called you to. All you have to do is keep your hand on the handle. Church, as a body, in order for it to function well, we need everyone fulfilling their role. We need feet walking, we need eyes seeing, and we need ears hearing. Thus, walk empowered by Christ in the unique calling to which you have been uniquely called within his body. Keep your hand faithfully on the handle and let God use you and your gifts to bring glory to his most holy name. Church, keep your hand on the handle. Which brings us to point number two this morning. Point number two is this. Christ, the ascended Savior, is the ultimate gift giver. Christ, the ascended Savior, is the ultimate gift giver. Verses 8 through 10. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. In saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Now, what we have here in verse 8 which says, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. 
It's taken from Psalm 68, verse 18, which reads, You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train and receiving gifts among men. Now, did you catch the difference there? Psalm 68 says that God received gifts among men. And Paul here writes that Christ gave gifts to men. And you might be wondering, what gifts? Why are there differences here? Now, what you need to know about Psalm 68 is that it is a psalm or a hymn of victory. God displaying his power and his majesty and his reign over all. And it would also be good to know that it was the practice in the ancient Near East for a king to bring back plunder, to bring back loot or goods for his people after he was victorious in a significant battle. So, when you read Psalm 68 especially verses 18 and 19, for example. It says, You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train, and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Thus it says that God ascended on high and that he was victorious, verse 18. And verse 19, it says, Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. Or in the Greek, who loads us with benefits. Or as the KJV translates it, who loadeth us with benefits. A.K.A. God gives gifts. Thus God here ascended as the victor and gives gifts. He bears us up. He loads us with benefits. Thus as Bible scholar Charles Hodge noted, Paul is simply giving a general sense of Psalm 68 here. Because what Paul has in mind is that Jesus Christ, he is the ultimate victor. Jesus Christ is the ultimate king who won the ultimate battle. Jesus Christ was victorious over Satan, over sin, over death, over the grave. Jesus Christ, he crushed the serpent's head and was victorious over all. Thus, just as a king who won a major military battle and who would return home and distribute gifts, he would distribute the loot to his people, to generals, and to soldiers, so too has Christ ascended on high, won the ultimate battle by defeating sin, defeating death, and now is giving gifts to his people. He is giving them the spoils of his victory. In short, Paul is saying, you want big biblical proof that Jesus Christ will give gifts to his children? Look at Psalm 68. Jesus Christ and his work that is the ultimate display of God being victorious over his enemies and giving gifts to his people. But how did this victory take place? And how did Christ accomplish this ultimate victory, qualifying him as the ultimate gift giver? Verses 9 and 10. It says, In saying... He ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Paul uses verses 9 and 10 here 
to showcase that Jesus Christ really is the Messiah. He is the one who crushed the serpent's head. He is the one who saved sinners from death. Because in order for the Messiah to ascend far above all the heavens and sit at the right hand of God, he had to also, verse 9, descend into the lower regions. He had to descend onto the earth. Now, there has been a lot of confusion about this text throughout church history. But in this context, Paul is simply referring, in verse 9, to the work of the Messiah, who in order to ascend would first have to descend. He would have to lower himself. He would have to come down to earth, and he would have to take on human flesh. And that is exactly what Jesus Christ did. God, the Word, Jesus Christ, became flesh and dwelt among us. John 1.14. And he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew 20.28. And though Jesus Christ was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. The descent mentioned here, it is the incarnation of Jesus Christ. It is his humiliation while he was here on earth. Church, listen carefully. God himself, Jesus Christ, he came down from heaven, took on flesh, and lived amongst his sinful people. He grew up humbly, the son of a carpenter. He was gentle with the poor, kind to the brokenhearted. He fed the hungry, he healed the sick, and he cared for the least of these. But Jesus Christ, his descent, his humiliation, it did not stop there. Because Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he was also charged as a heinous criminal, beaten, flogged, spit on, tortured, nailed to a cross, and suffered physical death. The death mere humans suffer. Think about it. The God of the universe who created all things, and in him all things hold together. He was put to death by the hands of his fallen creation and buried in a tomb. As one commentator wrote, this was the climax of Christ's humiliation. To be removed out of men's sight as too offensive for them to look at, to be hidden away in the depths of the earth. But... But, but, it was through this work, it was through the work of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on a cross, that the one who descended to carry out the perfect plan of God was also the one, in verse 10, who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. Christ in victory ascended far above all the heavens. And how do we know this to be true? That Christ was victorious over all? Because Jesus Christ, he raised from the dead. Now, as the Messiah who beat sin, who beat death, who beat Satan, who destroyed the grave, Jesus Christ, he is Lord over all, and he triumphed ascended back to God the Father to reign over all. Or in verse 10, that he might fill all things. See, when you are Lord, when you reign over all, and when you have never-ending power and authority and love and kindness and mercy, you fill your church, you fill your people, 
people, you fill your creation with your divine blessing, with your divine glory, and with your wonderful grace. Thus is Jesus Christ, the one who descended and took on flesh. Is he capable and qualified to give gifts to his church? You better believe the one who defeated death and ascended as Lord is eternally capable and qualified to give gifts to his people as he sees fit so that he might fill all things. Oh, to God be the glory for our ascended Savior. To God be the glory for the gift of saving grace. And to God be the glory for a Savior who gives gifts to his children for the building of his church. To God be the glory. So as we close this morning, we'll begin with the non-Christian that is listening. To the non-Christian listening, I know this message might not come off as overly relevant to you. Jesus Christ giving grace or giving gifts to the church as the ultimate gift giver for the building or for the edification of the church. And you may be sitting at home thinking, well, I'm not even a Christian. I'm not part of a church, so I guess Christ doesn't offer any grace to me. But to the non-Christian listening, I want to lovingly say this. You could not be more wrong. Because the grace Jesus Christ can offer you this morning, it is saving grace. It is the grace that is needed for you to believe and to be saved forever. It is the grace that is needed to believe that the God of the universe descended onto the earth and took on human flesh as Jesus Christ. It is the grace to believe that Jesus Christ, who was truly God and truly man, lived a life amongst sinful man, was tempted by sinners, and yet he never sinned. It is the grace to believe that the wrath, the punishment that we deserve for our sins, Jesus Christ, who was the sin one willingly took our place and bore that wrath for us. It is the grace to believe that Jesus Christ, who was perfectly obedient to the Father, willingly died on a cross in the place of his children. It is the grace to believe that his perfect life paid the price for our sins. That the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, his life on a cross, appeased the wrath of God toward you and your sins. And it is the grace to believe that three days later, Jesus Christ defeated sin and he defeated death once and for all as he rose from the grave. Non-Christian, Christ was victorious over death. Thus I pray you receive the saving grace that is needed today to repent of your sins, to turn from your sins, and to trust in Jesus Christ and Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins as the only one who can pardon you of your sins, the only one who died for your sins, the only one who paid the price for your sins on a cross and can take his perfect life and impute it on to you, thus reconciling you back to God forever. And today will be the day that you experience what it is like to know the eternal gift giver. 
Jesus Christ, the only one who offers the grace. He is the only one who offers the gift of eternal salvation with your Creator. Thus, receive that grace this morning and believe. And non-Christian, today you will be saved. Now to the Christian that is here this morning. Jesus Christ, the ultimate gift giver, has given the grace needed for each member of his church to fulfill the roles, the offices, and the duties that they have been called to. We are all a body We are all one together in Christ. We are united in Christ. But we have been called to a diverse array of roles and given a diverse array of gifts. Some have been called and some have been gifted to preach to the church. And some have been called, some have been gifted to clean the church. Some have been called, some have been gifted to teach the church. And some have been called and some have been gifted to sing to the church. Some have been called, some have been gifted to organize aspects of the church, and some have been called and gifted to comfort the children in the church. Thus, the church doesn't operate, it does not grow, it does not flourish, unless Christ gives a diverse group of people a diverse number of giftings that they are to use to serve each other as one body. Thus, no gifting, no call is better or more important than another. Therefore, there's no need to be jealous. There's no need to be insecure as we all play a vital role within the church. But where I want to lovingly challenge you this morning is with this. Are you using the gifts that God has given you to serve the church? Or are you wasting them? Are you fanning the flame of the gifts that God has given you? Or are you just letting the coals burn out as you idly look for as little to do as possible within the church? I read these observations in a book by David Burgess in preparing for the sermon. He said, there are two kinds of church members. Those who belong to St. Minimum Congregation and those who belong to St. Maximum Congregation. The people who belong to St. Minimum Congregation ask questions such as, how many church fellowship meals do I have to go to? Do I have to go to prayer meeting? How much must I give? Do I have to help serve in children's church? Do I need to go to Sunday school? But the people who belong to St. Maximum ask questions like this. What can I do to help with Sunday school? Can I help prepare the elements for communion? Can I be a greeter? Who should I be calling this week or inviting over for dinner? Too often, Christians transfer back and forth between the two congregations. At times, surrendering to the work of God and using the gifts that he has given them. And at other times, letting the wonderful gifts God has given remain useless. Burgess concludes, you see, church, No matter the gifts Christ has given you, the $50,000 violin hanging silently and dusty on a wall is not worth as much as the kitchen spoon that is being used daily. You dig what I'm saying? Do not waste 
your grace. Do not waste your gifts. The God of the universe who descended onto heaven, onto earth and lived amongst vile, sinful men and died the death of a criminal to save sinners and who ascended into heaven to reign over all as the name above names and Lord above all lords. That God, he specifically gave you the grace needed for a gift to use in this time and in this place that only you have been equipped with to bring a particular glory to his name. Thus don't waste it. Use it. It is your call, your role in this church body, a role that has been allotted to you to bring glory to his name. Do not miss this amazing opportunity to serve God in how you have been called. Thus, it is my prayer that we as a church body, we realize first off the saving grace that we have been given. We have been saved by Jesus Christ who descended into the depths of depth for his people. But as only God could do, Jesus Christ was raised from the dead three days later and triumphed over sin and over death as the ascended Lord over all. And as our ascended Lord, he not only saved his people from sin and death, but he lavishly poured out gifts on them, gifts to edify his unified body, the church. Thus motivate us, Lord, to use our gifts. Help us not neglect the gift that you have given to each of us, but teach us to fan that flame and to grow that flame and to work heartily for the Lord. We are a church that is united in Christ, but diverse in our giftings. We are the workmanship of God created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand and equipped us with the grace needed to walk in them. Thus walk boldly in the calling to which you have been called, church, as a servant of Christ and a member of his body. Walk in your gifts, church, and serve your ascended Lord with them. Christ has given you a gifting vital to the faith, Bible, fellowship, church, body. Thus glorify Christ and serve his people with your gifts. Serve your ascended Lord with your grift. He has empowered you to do so. Hold on to the handle. Hold on to the handle, church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for saving grace. We thank you for the grace that you have given us that by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, we are saved now and forevermore. But Lord, you have equipped us. You have given us grace that we can carry out the gifts that you have given us, that we can serve your body as you want us to serve. We can encourage each other how you want us to serve. We can love each other and build each other up as you want us to serve. And you have given each one of us a unique and diverse gift to play a role and to function uniquely within the body so that the body works well to glorify you. Father, help your church be bold to walk in those gifts. Convict them, I pray. Let them know that each one of these gifts, it is vital to the function. It is vital to the growth of this church. And you have designed it that way. There is beauty in the diversity of this body that is unified in you. 
Lord, let us use our diverse gifts to be unified in one body in which you are the head, Jesus Christ. To you be the glory forever. Amen. And our benediction this morning, it comes from Psalm 68, verses 18 and 19, which reads, You ascended on high, leading a host of captives in your train, and receiving gifts among men, even among the rebellious, that the Lord God may dwell there. Blessed be the Lord who daily bears us up. God is our salvation. Be at peace, church. Be at peace.